Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this edition, this special edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm Gerald Quinn discussing, normally discussing the world of uh, sports and pop culture, but tonight, due to what's going on around the country, we're going to have a different type of, a different show, a different podcast, uh, as I'm joined by financial literacy consultant Casey Price to discuss something that we all that affects us all, and that, of course, is money. And what do you do with your money during this particular time as uh, we go through this tragedy, this crisis, I should say, crisis and tragedy uh, of the coronavirus? Casey's Price is, here, is joining me. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing good. How are you doing amongst the quarantine? Uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's been one of those like I, this stuff for me. There's plenty of stuff for me to do, so I don't have any. Tr- I, I, I'm not bored at all. It's just a matter of like when I do it or at what. Like I still got to get my organization together uh, in terms of uh, coming up with like, right. a plan of <laughs> of you know what you know what I want to do, when I want to do it, what order. Uh, so I'm still figuring out a routine, but uh, I'll figure it out. Today, today was podcast day. <laughs> That's why I spent the majority of my time. Okay. Uh, on uh, Tom Brady and prepping for this particular uh, podcast. Uh, how are you doing out there? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm Pennsylvania. We're doing okay. My girlfriend in New York and New Jersey said that we're taking it as a joke. She said that she sees her friends in Pennsylvania on her timeline are living their best life in New York and New Jersey on lockdown. So she said we haven't caught the wave yet, and I believe her. I'm home with my kids, so that makes it a little bit more difficult in some aspects. Yeah, it seems like I, I I wish that the country take heed to what New York is doing because it seems like they got their thing their stuff together in terms of how serious this thing is in terms of doing, you know, heading towards a shelter in place, the bars being closed and things of that nature. Um, I mean, I, I think majority of states, at least from last time I read, thirty seven of the fifty states had closed schools, but it just seems like uh, I I know for a fact this weekend people were out getting. Uh, I don't know if it was the last. Last this partying, but uh, people were not taking this ser- this serious enough in the weekend, considering some of the partying that was going on. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I had a one-year-old birthday party on Sunday, so I'm guilty of that. Um, yeah, my girl, like I said, I, the thing is, we expected New York to take a huge hit because it's so big. And I have a friend in New York City, so like they're just doing a really good job at it. They clean, you know, I think they should have been going to the airport or someone in to start cleaning the actual subways, like they're just, they understand how big the problem is. It's so good to see our country be proactive in some aspects of this. Other aspects we'll talk about, they weren't so much, but it's still good to see that somewhere has an idea of how big this is. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, the reason I had you, uh, brought you on the show is I know a lot of people are concerned about their finances and just not knowing when, if, like, not knowing when they're going to get back back to work. Um, and there, there's still a number of people that are still working. I know I'm, I know both my parents are currently working, uh, mm-hmm. still working as we as we speak. But a lot of people are going to be out of work and probably be out of work for, you know, minimum a couple months. Who knows how long this lasts. Uh, there have been talks of, you know, for this this thing not being peaking at 45 days Whatever that means, I mean, no one, no one really knows. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm an expert on knowing when this thing is going to come come to an end, or when people are going to be able to go back to work and back to school. 
what is the first thing that you that person should think of um, in regards to their finances? Let's say let's say you're you're out of work. Um, what are some questions that you asking yourself or discussing with you know let's say you're married or have, have a significant other? What what should what should those conversations be looking like or sounding like? Well, I think it's a good question. I once I had to go to a one-year-old birthday party yesterday, and someone said they were doing an emergency family meeting. And I started to think that I, I hope through this podcast that people understand that should be a call for all of us. And it's people that they don't want to believe in hysteria. It's not hysteria. It's worst-case, best-case scenario. Best-case scenario, it's two to three weeks. We all go back to work. Our kids go back to work. We see very small cuts. Realistic scenario, I think the question is, what do you do if you and your partner or you and your spouse or you and your family member both lose your jobs? What do you do if unemployment tanks? Um, what, how much money do we have in the savings account? How much of 401k can we pull? What is the taxation law right now? Um, how long do you have, you know, have you, do you have any bills that are paid off in advance so we can basically work off of a credit? Um, we have more than one property, so do we allow the investment property to go late or do we allow our property to go late? Um, if you have tenants, if you, know, if you have real estate, what do you do if all your tenants lose their job and that cash flow, that mortgage that has been paying for itself now becomes a part of your household? What do you do if you, it's been a, if you use all your savings accounts? I think people hate talking about money, and I think a relationship, um, family units, whether it's a bunch of single women, a bunch of single men, mother, father, sister, no kids, kids. The question is, are we going to do, you know, crowdfunding? Are you willing to put money in a pot and say, keep someone with their job? This money's for everybody. Um, I think people have to really bunker down and take this seriously because it's just not, people keep saying the virus is not that serious. It's about the economic backlash that we're going to have, and I'm so happy to be able to have this chance to talk to you about these things. Yeah, I mean, if anybody is not at this point taking the virus serious, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I, like to me, I, I did a podcast last Wednesday, um, and during like I, the tenor of that podcast changed quickly because before the podcast, it was, uh, you know, don't not so much don't take this seriously, but let's everybody not go, not panic. Um, right, and then got canceled. So after that, it was like, oh, right. okay. The the NBA right. talking about owners giving up hundreds of millions of dollars, a billion dollar corporation. That that it seemed like from that point on, it was like, okay, this is game over. This is officially game over. Game, yeah, yeah, game over. This is officially real. You didn't believe it, and it was real before, but that that just it changed. It seemed like that changed everything from that point on. And this is like, okay, what's what's the next yeah. move? When 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 jobs shut down? When schools shut down? And what have you? So uh, there's no question about it. What what questions should banks like? A lot of people, you know, most people have relationships with banks with regards to, with banks. What questions should people be asking to their banks? What information should banks be giving out to people as we speak? My hard part with this, right, is that when people are honest, when banks are honest and forthcoming, which you didn't see during the Great Depression, right, banks just bottom out. If people don't know, um, I had to talk to my students about this, of course, right, that, you know, during the Great Depression, banks, you would just go to the bank and knock on the door and be like, hey, TNC, lost my job, I need my savings account. And they're like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, we're packing up today, we lost all your money, have a nice day, um, no one will be here tomorrow, and you're screwed. So I think that banks know enough and thus creates FDIC, which ensures your money up to $200,000. Anything over that, two hundred two fifty, anything over that, 
you're, you know, you're SOL. So I think the problem with banks is that they want to be more forthcoming, but being more forthcoming creates hysteria. I think about Temple University that shut down, and then we hear people saying, well, if you shut down, is it because you have cases you're not telling us about? Because why would organizations shut down so early on that didn't actually have cases? So the same thing with banks are, if they're forthcoming information, will it make the, the public go crazy? Or do you want to know that PNC is saying, listen, we just did a 40% cut on employment, which means if people are not taking out loans, then people, banks make money off of interest. So if you're using your credit card to buy consumer goods that you can't afford when you may be losing your job, banks will make money. But if you're the biggest loan a bank basically takes out is commercial property loans, no one's buying commercial property right now. So if banks, you have to think about if your bank's the big loan based on bank, if a small bank, big bank, and they're really operating off of um, percentage off of mortgages that's known for their great mortgage rates and great mortgage products. If people are not taking out loans, your bank is going under. So your job is to find out what bank you have, monitor their online system, see the information they're putting out. Because people who are into investing, people who are into money, they're on the cheap. Do not be the last person. Do not. This is not the 1930s anymore. Don't be the last person to find out what's going on with your bank. Go on their website. See the statements their CEOs are making. See their um, their public traded companies. See basically how well they're doing, how bad they're doing. Pay attention. We told our family members, being financial people, me and my husband, we told our family members, take the cash out of your bank other than what's automatic withdrawal. We want to have cash on hand while we're in our neighborhoods were shut down. I didn't know what the hell that means, but that's scary. So we need to have cash on hand, and you need to basically follow, follow your bank because they have your money. So you recommend, you strongly recommend that people take a certain amount of cash out of their, out of their savings accounts or accounts or uh some just guess how give an estimate of how how much they're gonna be able to um, let's Take say out. they're out of work I, for. I, think I would so my thing is like you know how some people have like electricity comes out automatically and like Pico like other than calculate with those automatic things that come out right leave those in right I don't want to get pretty okay. hysteria where people are emptying out the banks but I think that between okay. five hundred to thousand dollars in cash. I think in the next two weeks, I feel comfortable in my house. My husband said, listen, if you have a credit card, you would only pay out of your joint account. Chill right now. Don't try to pay stuff off. Try to keep as much as you can in your checking account. And then take, we have a bunch of cash on hand that we're going to deposit into our account. And my husband, let's just relax, keep $500 in the house. Because this is the thing you've got to understand is that this is watching the Great Depression, right, along with SARS and MERS, along with having a great, like, kind of a, not a dictator, but kind of having a very untrustworthy president at the same time. So these experts, we've seen one happen to the other. We've seen a bad political climate. We've seen a bad financial climate. We've seen banks go under, and we've seen SARS and we've seen MERS. We've never seen all three of them happen at the same time on the same day. So we don't know what's exactly. going to happen with banks. So I wouldn't want to scare people, but I definitely want you to have a lot of cash on hand. So cash on hand. Now, I came out a couple of announcements. A couple of things came out today that I found interesting, and I'll, I'll go one after one, one by one. So the Dow goes down yesterday, a record, well, the second, the second worst drop in history since 87. Of course, that famous, that famous um, black, they called it Black Monday. Matter of fact, they made a Monday. showtime as a series about it. Uh, not very good, but anyway, about Black Monday. <laughs> and, and that, Yeah, I mean, season one was hard. I couldn't get into it, but, you know, Black Monday. Um, that goes, that drops yesterday. Today, points, the stock market was up 1,049 points. Can you explain that, why that happened today, why that happened in one, in one day? So, we, so what happened, right, when, when it went down, what we can explain is that 
the average American, right, has money in a 401k mutual funds. The average American believes that they are stock traders. They say, I have, I have some stocks, right? They're not about this life. They're not traders. They're not looking at all day. And they see something worth $75 go down to 50 and they say, hell no. I'm not wasting losing any more money than I have. I'm selling, right? So basically, stocks like popularity. They go down when they start to, you see it's bad, I see it's bad, we saw something fishing in the water, we all jump at the same time. So the, the value, think of the stock price like the value of the stock. So people start to be afraid, not the traders, not the long-term, not the long-term people, right? The people who are in a stock market, the average American, start to get afraid, so they jump. And people basically said, why would I want to lose my life? Which makes complete sense, right? But then what happens is our president says, or releases in a conference and says that, hey, we're thinking about doing, I've seen $860 billion, I've seen $1 trillion, I've seen multiple numbers on different recordings, doing a bailout. So they do a bailout. People start to have confidence to go, oh, well, if the president's backing this and he's a business guy, then people start to have a little bit more confidence in it. Um, I think the theorists are going to say that he kind of, you know, inflated the market a little bit, bought some stocks to kind of try to even it out to not to make people be so afraid. But no matter what happens today or what happens the next day, eventually how people truly feel and how they're truly spending will show out. So whether or not they release this stimulus um, emergency funding, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't know if I think it's really going to happen. I think it's just a good thing to hear. You saw the effect over a thousand points. But basically, this is a response to the president saying, I'm going to give people a bunch of money. And people go, oh, I don't know how to dump my stocks anymore because everything will work out and I'll have a bunch of money to be able to pay my bills. This is kind of like right. kind of using emotions to kind of put up the stock market. No question about it. I mean, yeah, it is definitely without question psychological. Because and that leads me to my next, you know, to the next announcement that was that came out. Not so much announcement, but in regards mm-hmm. to the government saying talking about these checks. Um, at first, you saw you saw the thousand dollar checks for each, you know, for each American. Then I saw a uh, report that had. Three payments uh, totaling $4,500, $4,500, where the first installment would be 2000 and the following mm-hmm. next, the following two would be for $1,500 and $1,000. What were you, what are your thoughts on on these checks uh, on this amount of money? Is do you see this happening? Do you see something close to this? Ha- do you see that you think those are going to be some accurate figures in terms of the, the amount of money that they, the the uh, government is going to dole out? Um, I love the company, the, the, you know, the, the, I'm sorry, the country that has not trained our debt. We have 4,500 per, per human on the, um, in the U.S. I think that's amazing how we just pulled that money out of somewhere. But I think, um, do I think it's going to happen? I told you, I'm 50-50 on it. I think that we, the problem is we're not trusting of our leadership that I feel like it's not like we have a thoughtful leader that doesn't say stuff that's hesitant. Because we've seen leaders before kind of, um, Bush after 9-11 kind of take their time to release information. They want to make sure they didn't get people hysteric. Right things were the opposite sort of leadership where they say something at a press conference and then we're in a meeting and all of a sudden we hear about it and we're all excited about it and they're like, oh, should have said that so early. So I don't know if he kind of said that um, prematurely, but I think um, I think one thing that you talked to me about was like, well, what should we do with that money? And my thing is I want to speak to the culture, right? Well, you see 4500 people think it's a come up. $4,500 is to help the layoff. $4,500 is to have that when you quarantine people, consumer debt, the number one consumers right now, African-Americans, is that they want you to start spending money again. Because when you stop going to Target, when you stop going to these consumer places, 
you stop making overall the company, the structure of America, corporate America, they lose income. They lose money, as you said, by hundreds of millions by the day in some industries. So this is just to get you to start spending money again. Stimulus just means we want you to spend money again to put it back in the economy so we can tax you again and keep the cycle going. You can't quarantine people and lay them off and then expect for the, the corporate structure to go stand. So I'm fearful that people will take this money and think it's just a way, something to go shopping with, get those pair of shoes you want to book that trip for um, flights or love, no, that hair you need, and they're missing it. They're really missing it. This is the money for you to see, hold on to, invest, and conserve. Yeah, that, you know, that, that's a great point because, you know, we, people will look at that kind of like a, uh, like a Christmas gift or like an unexpected Christmas gift or, or, right. know, or, or extra or extra cash on a tax return on some tax money that they were going to get. Um, you're saying that should immediately go into paying, you know, either paying bills or, you know, or, or even investing. I mean, I've heard a lot. I've heard that right. some of that too. Maybe, maybe purchasing some stocks that are you know that are down right now that will get up once the once the economy stabilizes. Right, and I think not. Like I think about me, and my husband. Right, if you get nine thousand dollars, I'm an investor. I will always see things like I. As an investor, I'm going to put nine thousand dollars in down payment on a property in North Philadelphia or West Philadelphia, and open up a boarding home, and then have an income stream. And say thank you, government, for funding my next you know project because. I um, you can give me a second to explain. I don't think people understand. I was talking to my students. It's not about American Airlines going down to sixteen dollars last Tuesday or last Wednesday a stock because people aren't buying anymore. It's about the peanut company that basically their number one um, vendor is American Airlines or Delta, and now they can't afford the person an accountant who makes two hundred fifty thousand a year, so she gets laid off, so she can't afford her mortgage. So now the banks are in foreclosure. Like I don't think people understand. This is not about people getting sick and not flying. This is about industries. My sister works in the travel industry. She got a memo saying they're making 20% layoffs. They just started working from home last Wednesday. 20% of the company is going down within less than a week. And that's just week one. They're only on quarantine one. She said that they have, they shut down their sales department and they're 100% cancellation of refunds. That is all she's able to answer. But I don't think people are going to suspect that, that this is going to be a snowball. And 4500 will mean a lot for you if you and your partner get laid off and your kids didn't care your private school is closed down. I don't think people understand how big this is going to hit the economy. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be in, you know, there's no question that we're going to be in a, in a recession. Um, mm-hmm. That just goes without saying. How about small business owners and employees? Um, I think for, it'd be, for a small business owner, what, what type of questions should you be asking uh, your accountant or your bank in regards to uh, businesses that are certainly going to be uh, devastated by this? Right. Um, good question. I think that small business owners, I saw one person say, Dana, Dana Chanel out of Philadelphia, she's a, like a big Christian entrepreneur right here, and she said one thing she reposted was like, you have to learn how to be flexible and pivot. So my thing is, especially with these online businesses, Instagram business, Instagram businesses that exist in the Great Depression or the early um, recession, people weren't selling eyelashes. So my thing is, if your small business is 100% the way you're generating revenue, you're going to take a loss. The difference is, Starbucks can take a $20 loss because they're at the $20 level. Can you take losing $5,000 a month? And that's what you're going to eat off of. So the biggest thing you could do is be careful about who to keep and who to let go. You have to do ROI of 350 on your staff. If you have 10 people, 50 people, 30 people, 
who basically do you know is able to substantiate, who can take a pay cut and still keep the same amount, who can work from home and get the same amount of results done, whose insurance claim is the highest. You need to basically have a straight business meeting with the ladies in your company and saying, who do we keep? Who do we let go? Sometimes you have to figure out if it's possible to operate the business and basically it makes more sense to put the lights on and sell no products and just keep the lights off until you're able to sell products again. And you need to go back. Um, I think during this time off, people need to rush to straighten up their LinkedIn, straighten up their resume, and realize that they may have to go back to funding a dream and probably getting 9 to 5 again because until people find the need to purchase online businesses, small products, until people find the need to buy the extra gifts or luxury items, I, I think that small business is going to see a big hit. The biggest thing is be flexible and be okay with making cuts and it's going to be for the greater good of the company. So you know as a, as a small business owner that the longer this thing goes, that you're going to have to let some people go. Like that, that's almost yeah. goes without saying. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of who can you afford to let go versus who you can't. Mm-hmm. And your insurance, like if your, your insurance is covering, if you have to shut down your business for two months, cancel your insurance premium. What are you insuring right now? If you have to cancel your WIS account, if you have to cancel, you know, put your website down, Figure out where you can take pay cuts at and do it immediately. While you shut down, shut everything down and save as much money as you can. Now, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, a few businesses, fortunately for them, can work uh, from home and can conduct business business online, which is you know which is great. What if you're what if you're a small business that really that doesn't depend on online and you're like a very very small of your business is done online, how do you navigate through that? Which, which, which by the way, in 2020, you should be able to pivot right. towards being online. I'm just going to say that. I'm, I don't own small business, but I know technically, I know from a, it, it is 2020, like you should be, that. that's something that you should be thinking about, you know, once we get, hopefully once we get through this, like I, I need to be able to uh, uh, be able to have that in my toolbox in terms of uh, being able to to, to deal with online, do online stuff, but assuming, you know, passing no judging, but assuming that you, that's really not how you conduct business in terms of online, because there's still a few businesses out there that don't primarily, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't pivot towards that uh, being online, but what are those, what are those businesses supposed to do? What are, what are the best options for those people? I think you killed the question. I think you answered it well, is that, I think you don't have a choice but to be online. If you're a service, if you're putting, I don't know, let's say um, $200 a month into circulars or to post-its or to whatever your type of advertisement is, put that money into social media marketing. Go to Fiverr. Go to Udemy. Don't don't reinvent the wheel. Pay people to create online websites. And when you're too in quarantine, start with the online website. Start with the e-commerce business. You don't have a choice. I think that, don't forget, people are at home, right, with their paychecks, especially salary people are at home making money to some extent they've been laid off yet, making money was nothing to do with their money, right? So they're not out spending the way they would. The bars are shut down. The restaurants shut off their clients to take a seat. Why are you still going to Miller's, right? Why are you still going to Mike's Bar and Grill? And we basically shut everybody down. While they're at home and they're idle on their computers and idle on social media, put $25 put social media ads. Get it done. Like you don't have, like you said, you don't really have a choice. Other than that, I think the biggest thing is you have to start negotiating if you actually have like a store, Start negotiating, finding out. I'm trying to start off if you have like a no eviction law right now. Um, find out, hey, what's going to go on if I'm unable to meet 
um, you know, my payment? Would you be able to downsize the rent? Call your insurance agency. Would you be able to temporarily suspend this? You need to be cutting deals. Call Pico. Call your, um, I'm sorry, your cell phone company, your electric company. See who you're able to downsize with, get less than, less product productivity. Your job here is to basically go through your finances, see what the cut is. And I think you said 100%, you have to go to an online model. It's a non-negotiable if you want to survive this. Are you looking for your small business to get shut down? 2020, if you stay off the internet, this might be the way it goes down. Definitely. No question about it. How about the flip side? If you are someone who, you know, a lot of people work multiple jobs, if you're someone who's been, who is dependent on that, uh, not that income as a small business employee, what, you know, what options should you, how long should you wait? Because this, this is going to become a, a waiting game without, without question, because none of us know how long this is going to uh, drag out. But how long, does you, how long should you wait before you have to figure out some other means of income, uh, other means mm-hmm. or other ways to, 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 to get access to income? So my financial coach hat comes on here. So I look to tell people, okay, what's coming out, what's going in, right? So what's going in now just immediately within a week and a half became unpredictable. So salary employees, for example, I work as a, um, an instructor and consultant for Crystal Ray. I'm salary. As long as school's out, I get paid. Unless the parents are paying my private school tuition, right? So you have to look, this is a financial question first, like a smart financial question, is first you have to look at what's coming in. If my expenses are $2,000, right, and right now I have 5000 in my savings account, I have enough to live off of two and a half months. The problem with that we're saying is that I told people to apply for unemployment immediately. My girlfriend's husband works, um, he works in a um, restaurant and he's a cook. And I basically told her he's an hourly employee. If you're going to cut down my hours, you're not going to pay me. I'm entitled, according to the federal, Pennsylvania, state, whatever law, to get unemployment. Considering unemployment is not as long as it used to be back in the day. Um, our, one of our favorite presidents said that back in the day. It's not as long as it used to be. Like you said, you just figure out, do you take it now? Will your business be out for six months or six weeks? So I would want you to actually apply for it now because we don't know by the droves of which numbers. We don't know if it's going to be a first-come, first-served type of thing. Or if our very business savvy president will say, extend it. So if unemployment is only 26 weeks, maybe we'll see extension periods of 52 weeks and um, up to 18 months of this period. I think it's smart to apply for it now. If your job is cutting your hours, I would want to be the first phone call rather than the last phone call, kind of like financial aid, with getting the funding you need for your family. And you and only you and your family know when you should, when you should you know, call in, when you shouldn't call in. You can calculate today. How much money do we have to live off of our expenses? So my financial clients always tell them, don't tell me you save five hundred dollars a month or thousand dollars a month. You should be saving as a goal. If you're building three thousand dollars, every three thousand dollars you just save a month of the expenses. So you need to find out how much you have to live off of, and then think, figure out if you lose your job the next two or three months, is unemployment going to be the best option for you the next twenty six weeks? That's all you get right now, unemployment twenty six weeks. So death. So. You know, with unemployment debt, you you want to be air on the side, you want to air on the side of caution and just be one of the first people, that, you know, to file. Just even even if the, even if your hours are not cut, like your hours are going to be cut, like the way it's going. Right. But you just want to you want to, you just don't want to wait too long, because right. more than likely. But you're entitled to it. You're entitled to it. Right. Absolutely. No question about it. How speaking of unemployment. Um, what effect will this have on unemployment um, in terms of money available, uh, things of that nature? 
that um, I think that's one of my biggest fears. That I'm people are texting me and saying, "Can I get an appointment?" I'm like, "Absolutely." If you went from 40 hours a week here at 16, you can get an appointment for the difference of those 24 hours. My biggest fear is, in the case of Drew, we don't know if we're going to see 10% unemployment rate, 40% unemployment rate, or 15%. So I 100% believe that people who are in the latter will end up having to wait longer period. California just passed a law waiting like the one week or whatever, the waiting period for unemployment. I think that the government is smart enough to know that we need people to have money to live and to spend money and not to have looting and, you know, create anarchy. But at the same time, I'm my fearful that unemployment funding right now is not prepared for what they're about to see with these phone calls. People who never thought that they would ever rely on the government and turn their head to it are going to be maxing out unemployment right now because, listen, if I had to make cuts, the person that makes 160 and 250 you have to go. You have to go. They're going to be one of the first things they cut. Corporate offices, people just kind of sit around, take phone calls at home, don't do very much, use public accounts. But I think the biggest thing that you're going to see is upper middle class and upper class people are going to start applying for this and start to kind of drain the fund. So then the question is, what happens to the person that really needs it and they can't get hired again? So I think it's definitely going to have to be first come first serve because what are you going to do when me and you apply April 15th and they call someone eight weeks waiting for you? What does our family do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made with small. I, mean, I don't envy a small business owner uh, at all because they're going to. I mean, it's just. Gonna, I mean, there's no there's no way around there's no way around this in terms of making a tough decision. I would also want you know, and I'm sure you'll be in agreement with this. Mix like you might have to do some repairing of, of, those, of those relationships, even though people should understand right. considering what's going on. You you want to kind of check in, and I know you know. Our schools, are, our schools are out. Our working education, you know, we're doing. It's impossible to teach kids from, you know, your house. But we, you know, we, you know, we sent out right. packets and stuff. You have to call in, check in with families. You might, you want to do that with your employee, employees, or you right. know, just as a, a, a way to, you know, just as a way of you got, if you hadn't already done it, you know, just as a way to hey, I, I care about you, not you know, as a person, not just somebody who works with me. I think that will go a long way in terms of smoothing out some of the decisions that you have to make or if you have to cut somebody. Or, listen, when this thing runs its course, that that person, you know, that person might have been a great employee. You might want to still have that person a part of your team. So I think, you know, that relationship connecting building is going to be important uh, for, uh, for, the, for these small business, these small to mid-business owners. Right. I think it's thinking like a leader. Um, I know, like, for some of our students in Philadelphia, um, they were shutting, shutting down Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A basically said they will give them, I think it was one month of salary so if they would return. Because people's biggest fear is that if I don't help you, especially hourly employees, if I don't give you payment or I don't provide a job for you for school, we should go somewhere else. I will say, once first began, people felt kind of, it's kind of arrogant to say that. It's like, where do you think people are going to go? While people are laying someone off, generally other businesses are not um, hiring them. So you're not going to see, like, a 50% layoff at Starbucks when Dunkin' Donuts is hiring 80%. So my thing is, um, small business owners, I guess it would be comforting. It's really good. Small business owners are very self-conscious about failing. And this is not a failure. This is not even a failure to plan. This is something I think that no one could really see. But I also live in small business. Your personal household, your personal finances, your business finances. So if you're a person that has $10,000 in reserves, and your personal finance, more than likely we'll see that same type of business practices reflected on your um, on your business side. And even like a quick anecdote, like I have a, um, 
I have a college touring business, and we were we actually help international students, specifically in China, and the home Korean market in Europe, come to American universities. So at first, my um, interns were saying, okay, so we're going to talk to students people in China. Let's go to Korea, right? This is how crazy it sounds to say this now. And then we're like, okay, Thailand. We're like, okay, India. So we're like, okay, so maybe we can get anyone who's not from the U.S. to come to college. We said, so you know what? We're going to focus on kids in Philadelphia who want to go on college tours amongst, in this, amongst Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. When colleges started shutting down for the whole semester, how do I even know in June or July I can get your kid on a college campus? Mind, mind you, when they should be making permanent decisions to what college they'll be going to, the colleges are shut down. So what is that 11 and 12th grader do right now? So now I have to have these business calls and saying, well, how do we pivot? Because we pivoted from China to Korea to Europe to the U.S. So now how can I give your kid a college for the summer? Do I just shut up, you know, shut up shop and just not advertise my company at all for the summer? Or do I just move forward on just being an online platform? Like, these are serious questions. And we put a lot of money out this, for this process. So I'm right there with what you're saying, 100% there. Um, so when this thing started, uh, there was a lot of talk in terms of how to deal with it as far as, obviously, there's no, there's no vaccines right now. Even though I know they ran a couple of test, test vaccines today on some people in, uh, in Washington State, but there's no official vaccine to cure it. But, you know, they were you know, we're going through, they were saying, you know, wash your hands, use sanitizer, don't, don't do some of the things that you, you know, would think that would be common sense or obvious. Are you, are you amazed that as doing what you do, that there are some things that people should have been doing financially even before this came about that all of a sudden is going to be exposed because right. of this, uh, you are you just shaking your head at times, not passing judgment, but saying, "Hey, you probably in your you probably should have been been focused on this from in terms of your finances even before this this coronavirus came about." Did you, did you find? Yeah. You um, that from I'm. that you advise? I'm I'm surprised at how people didn't reach out to me. I don't. I think people are kind of have a sense of arrogance that they're okay, they're not okay. So you can't hire a financial coach once you lost your job. You can't handle, handle a financial coach when your job's and we're doing pay cuts, either get with it or get out. I think that, because um, we can't afford me then. So I think my biggest thing is this puts the word emergency fund on a completely different platform. I went on an interview to be um, like a director of financial um, center in Philadelphia, and they said the average family doesn't have $300 in savings. $300. Like, so my thing is, most, some of us, if you have children, that you're paying those child care fees, you know that there's some states and cities and neighborhoods, that doesn't even cover a week of infant care. So the fact that most people don't have $300 per name in America, and this is not a racial thing, it's not a social class thing, this is across the board, because what we see in severe poverty is living moment to moment. When I see my middle class clients is being the confidence of their education or job, thinking that they're basically bulletproof. Like I said, these high paying salaries are really at risk here because you're the first one to go. Because I can have a 20 year old with less experience come and do the same job you did for a quarter of the salary. So I think I'm really surprised about people who are spending money. I saw someone on Instagram saying, don't get it twisted. Like, women are still getting their hair done. And I tell my husband, of course, I want to go to my hair salon. But, like, the fact is that people who are hourly employees who may list, actually risk deduction of hours, who are still living paycheck to paycheck, are still prioritizing hair and nails and, like, going to store and online shopping. And Amazon's having to do amazing with people just bored spending money. You don't even know if the money you have right now will last you for the next two or six months. Because you don't, none of us know what's going to happen in the job field. So we can't, I can't spend money 
that I don't have. And I think um, that's my biggest concern with people is that people need to conserve their money. People need to be respectful. People need to understand it's not time to throw a, um, a St. Patty's Day kegger. Like, this is just not the time for that. This is the time to wait and see how your job's responding. What are the emails? What's the economy? And if you never had an emergency fund and you never invest into the stock market, I promise you that my industry will be doing very well after this because people wouldn't know what they didn't know at this point in time. What do you think is, you know, again, we don't know, we don't know uh, when this is going to, um, when this is going to come to an end. What do you think is going to be the overall fallout to this once everything, you know, once the restrictions have been lifted, once people start going back to work, once things kind of, in, in terms of a lifestyle standpoint, go seemingly back to normal as possible, what is going to be, what do you think is going to be the overall fallout of this? Um, the, the really scary part, I'm not going to be very popular on your podcast of this, is that I think it's very serendipitous that while we have a financial crash going on, we have a strong financial leader. So whether I agree with all his practices or no, I know that he knows business, I know he knows money. I don't know if he's always going to put the right moles towards it, but I think the fact is that we have a system in place where if you don't know about immigration, and you don't know about empathy, and you don't know about racism, he knows about money. He knows about the Federal Reserve. He knows what's going on. He knew what was going on with the current president. Like it or not, he knows more about money than most people do who have an opinion about it. So I think the fact is that whether or not that we have the vaccine or not, because we have people who are ex-vaccinated are basically coming out of nowhere saying, I'm not getting that. You can't pay me to get that. I think the moment that this goes longer than people think that it is, I, I'm a fearful of anarchy. I'm a fearful of New Jersey. We have people out. Right now we have curfews. So when you have curfews out, you have people who rebel against it more. I think that um, when we get on the same page about how long we choose to make this last, so if after this four week or two quarantine, or this different things through Washington, people I know the Pentagon have reached out to our family, I think that after this four week happens, right, and the people who are infected now do the two week quarantine, and people who are infected week three get the two week quarantine. After four weeks, if we see the numbers go down within the next three to four weeks, I think we'll be able to come past this. I think if what he's saying is July or August, we don't see the numbers go down and we don't see industry pick back up again, I think we are in serious trouble. So even to hear that New York schools are closing to April, April, April 20th is really far. That is a long time to shut down an economy. And I think that if we go to April 20th, they say that we are, I think we're in trouble. I really do. And you're talking about, you mean, like 2000 Great Depression trouble, 2008, Reset. I think we're. I think we're. I think, well, I think we're stuck in the middle. I think that the. I think that what happened with 2008 with the mortgages, right? I mean, real estate. I think what happened with mortgages. I think that our president and our people in power, a business leader, knows how to put people who are smarter than them in position. So what we saw with the tax laws, Trump didn't just say, "I know what I'm talking about." Trump hired some of the best of the best and said, "Where are we making mistakes at? How can you fix our debt?" Right? People don't know this. I think the same thing with 2008, the mortgage crisis. Banks are basically are saying, we don't care if you can't pay us. We care that we can structure your loan that you can pay back eventually. That's such a good sentiment compared to 2008. They were like, oh, wait, people aren't paying? Why? And they sold these mortgage notes and inflated them, and they made money off of us. But they didn't realize that while they were making money off of us and we were suffering, eventually it suffered in their pockets as well because we couldn't hold anything. So I think we're wiser than 2008. But I think the stock market crash, People, the hard part is this, right? If you see a company going for $16 and you think it's on selling, you buy it now, your hope is that one day it'll go back up to 200 Tesla went from 900 to 600 to 300 500 We hope that Tesla goes back up again. 
But what happens in six months and no one can afford a Tesla? And Tesla is bankrupt, and we're telling our great-grandkids that Tesla's a car that we heard about years ago. So if we don't, we can't predict who's going to go out completely and who's going to bounce back. So I think having a president who at least understands these concepts but doesn't have to have advisors explaining about money, I sadly enough, not to give Trump so much credit, I think that's kind of our saving grace in that. Wow. I mean, you just... You probably, I mean, you probably made my audience even that much more nervous. But I mean, listen, yeah, to, you know, to your point, he does. He, if he doesn't know anything, he doesn't know a lot of anything. He does know about money, and um, he does know about money and business. He does understand that. So, it, like whatever, ninety-nine percent of us that comes out of his mouth, you know, you can take it in one right. ear out the other. Back from that standpoint, he does know about money. How about football? How about for my students out there as far as loan payments, college payments, uh, Navy and Sally May? What, what advice do you have to them paying back student loans? So my girlfriend and, and called me. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. My girlfriend called me today okay. and said they're at, she's at 0% interest. So if you are a person, again, if you have the money, if you're living piece of paycheck and you need that extra money and that stimulus will change your life and your job is at risk, then no. Some people are sitting good working from home any damn way. But if you can put down, if you, right now the interest rates are locked in. Like there were 0% yesterday. Like 0% on your, on your, on your student loan is amazing. So if you're that person that has the money, not people who don't have it, you only have 5000 in your account, 2000 in your account, if you have the money to put a large payment on your student loan, it's today. Also, our article upon people, you need to ask for forbearance and let them know because of the pan epidemic that you were unaware who can make your student loan payment. They're putting people on easy, easy four-month forbearances. Take advantage of it. Even if you're sitting pretty, why would you not buy yourself four months? Because, like I said, keep saying throughout here, I have to scare people. You don't know what's going to happen to your job day by day. So my thing is take the forbearance, take the four months. It's not going to affect your credit. I mean, you're going to be okay. They're not eviction, mortgage, PICO, AT&T, Sprint. All these companies are basically working with people. So student loans are basically saying they're at 0% interest, which unless you're going to pay it all off on one check, it's going to affect you. But if you can go and call and say, listen, I don't know who's on my job. I read an article. The person said they're not giving you a hard time. They're not asking, well, what's the realm of your job? How sick are you? They're not giving you any backlash. They understand. That is so different from 2008 and 1929. That's a completely different economy. We're in a completely different world. Yeah, they. I mean, definitely, I, I definitely would be – Lean towards the, the forbearance if you can. Like I said, you're not it's not going. This is a time where we're getting we're in a crisis. It's not going. Uh, it's not going. It's not going to mess up your credit. Um, so that's something. I mean, that's however much you were paying per month. That's something. I mean, that could be food in your mouth or or going towards right. towards saving for you know, like I said, for you know these these times that we're going to save for. Um, so. Uh, tell, tell my audience about how you got to your particular position. I know you have, are big on education. Uh, how does that impact? Um, how does education like impact what you do? Um, tell you know, give my audience you know some information about that in terms of yourself and how you got to where you're at right now. Sure, I think I appreciate the question. Um, so I was I went to school to be um, a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer. I told me I was going to be a lawyer for drug dealers. I was going to have I'd be the defense attorney. I would make a bunch of money, be a young girl in the city, and just basically get them off. I knew what I was talking about. I was good at law, and I was sitting on RICO cases for fun and just help 
the center's like, hey, you should do this, hey, you should do that. No, I wasn't making any money. I just enjoyed it so much. And I realized that I wasn't obsessed with crime. I was obsessed with the cycle of poverty. So I was obsessed with seeing how Philadelphia was affected by the crack epidemic in 2007. And I grew up in the county, which we call in suburbs in Philadelphia, out of Philadelphia. So I didn't see the severe poverty. So I went from Bucks County suburbs, you know, two parents, whatever, to living in one of the, I think Philadelphia has the highest severe poverty rate in the U.S. out of a big city. So that means that out of a family of four, most people like 34,000, our severe poverty right. rate, a family of four is under $16,000. And that's working adults. That's not like no one's mom and dad's not at home. They're actually working, making 16000 with two children. So I worked with this company. We would help people get low-income housing, but they would, we would allow them to get college degrees. Like, okay, I go to school for, you know, four years, part-time. We'll make the rent one sixty-four bedroom. And I would have girls with Cindy belts and Gucci bags and master degrees and addiction processes for one sixty. And that's when I realized that academic IQ is awesome. But if you have academic IQ, I would tell my kids, it'll be like MC Hammer. Or you'll end up being like Island Iverson. You have all this money. If you don't know what to do with it, you're still going to live in poverty. So I started learning about Robert Kiyosaki. My husband is my muse. He always tells me, like, I'm from the hood. I'm self-taught. I taught myself everything I know. Everyone's at school. And he talked to me about Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey. And I would basically he would teach me, and I would apply it to case management. So I end up going back to school at the University of Pennsylvania to create a financial curriculum piece. And people were introducing me to personality to apply there. So they have um, an amazing um, grant, a donation from TD Bank. So I teach high school kids um, financial literacy and entrepreneurship.